episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on October the 20th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist. With me, as always... What, there's no witty thing this time around? I'm just caffeine rage? Indeed. With two special guest stars. Uh, Sunshine and Shadow. I have my cats in here this week. So if there's noise in the background, I do apologize. Uh, I may have to throw them in kitten jail, which involves putting them outside the room and just sealing myself in. On today's show, we will all be discussing the games that we played this week. U.S. politicians are engaging with voters through video games. Amazon's Crucible is being shut down in November. GameStop will get a cut of digital sales made on the Xboxes that they sell. And we will have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. When you said Kitty Gel, that made me think of a small story. We, um... I, you know this. We haven't, we didn't record since this happened because I felt bad last week. Um, but my next door neighbors have got COVID um, because, of course, they do because I live in rural Tennessee and they're the type of people that you think that they are. Um, but so we've been referring to them as being in jail um, for the last few days. And my kid hasn't heard it. Like my kid is like best friends with their son because they're about the same age. Um, and uh, he heard us say that for the first time. He's like, wait, they actually went to jail because they got coronavirus? <laughs> and we went, nobody. That's just what we've been saying because they're quarantining and we are quarantining you from them. He was like, yeah, oh. that, that, yeah. Uh, kitten jail, by the way, it refers to a Ben Heck video. Something I need and I watch on and off is just different Ben Heck videos. If you don't know him, he's a technology YouTuber. Uh, he does a lot of like uh, hacking and uh, of uh, various uh, controllers, uh, various tech stuff. Uh, he uh, does a lot of disabled controllers, like taking a Xbox controller and making it where you could run, uh, play the entire thing with one hand. Mm-hmm. And he's just wacky. All right, let's just put it this way: he did a. Uh, grand tour of Madison, uh, Wisconsin, uh, G- uh, Goodwill stores. And to, for the transition uh, between stores, he shows him driving on Google Maps uh, going, da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, just various Indiana Jones themes. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to send you Kenton Jail for later. Okay. I will. Uh, uh, he I will did a music later. video about him getting a cat and uh, happened to throw it in kitten jail every so often because it got in trouble. But if you look at his channel, I mean, it uh, he has uh, he took a, a single chip uh, Atari system and made an entire handheld out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he built an auto mask. Uh, after the COVID started, which, uh, as far as I know, I don't think he's ever finished it. It was just kind of a goofy project where it uh, is a mask that could just automatically pull up in front of him, and uh, uh, for protection. Uh, I mean, uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. I'll uh, I'll check out Kitten Joe later, and maybe I'll have another channel to subscribe to. 
because I certainly yeah. Although there, <laughs> although there are a couple things on his that I disagree with, like he tries to defend the seventy dollars next gen video game prices, and he has a lot of fallacies in that. But yeah, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's for something that he's going to defend that I disagree with, as far as things go, mm-hmm. that's pretty far down on the like, ooh, scale, you know? Yeah. It, yeah At least more... he's not defending like racism or Donald Trump. Uh, well, he actually mentions uh, Donald Trump in, uh, in jail <laughs> uh, in a bad way. Like, wait, the kitten, the kitten got uh, uh, confused for Donald Trump, so he got thrown in kitten jail. Okay. All right. I got you. Um, I don't. Yep. I have no good segues. It's granted. <laughs> I never have any good segues, but I was about to say that that changes. Uh, that's changed. How really? This is like a non sequitur. Hey, Rage, we played games. Um, and last week we were going to, before I felt like garbage, uh, the day we were going to record, um, we had played some demos from the most recent steam like demo thingy that they did yeah which they're Uh, actually planning on doing another one based on board games before too long so that's going to be fun yeah i uh i like the sound of that but um yes so we we've got we each played some demos and then some other stuff um yeah well i just have demos this time around because i had five of them from last week uh and going into this week it's going to be all hands on deck for the game club so yeah this is Mm, right yeah i have to i haven't started game club at all this month either so it'll be that for me as well but uh yeah i i had two demos i had intended to play more i downloaded i think four or maybe five but i only got around to playing two of them and one of them we both played so um we've got it each on our list so we can lead with that one together yeah so mars horizon or as i've seen people talk about since i played it Kerbal Space Tycoon. Um, sort of. I mean, they're not wrong, kind of. So, Mars Horizon, I, I would say Tycoon game is probably a fair way to put it. Mm-hmm. Where you are in uh, control of one of, I think it was four or five different space agencies. Five, in the, five space agencies. Yeah, in the 1950s. Which is a little odd considering, you know, most of those didn't exist till much later, but yeah. Yeah, you can play as the as uh, NASA. I don't. I don't know any. Well, I know the ESA. Uh, yeah, NASA, the ESA, the Chinese, the Russians, and the Japanese. Yeah, which yeah, th- uh, three of those are more, a lot more recent than the nineteen fifties. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's fine. But anyway, you are in control of them, and you're given essentially various milestones, and at least in the demo it looks like it's a little bit more sandboxy it's not you know you must go to the moon you must do this you must do that you're able to more pick and choose along a couple different paths of uh space exploration uh setting up around low earth orbit and doing uh milestones there or try to explore the moon and eventually unlock other planets perhaps yeah it looks like they're gonna be sending missions to every planet in the or well, more than just planets, a lot of stuff in the entire solar system based on um, looking at the, the store page and some other stuff mm-hmm. I looked up um, with sort of, I think the, the big culmination being the first colony on Mars. So starting in, in the past, going up to the present day and then leading into the near future, essentially. 
Yeah, and it's interesting. It it has a very board gamey feel to it, uh, with a little bit bit of base building on it, where uh, you're building your space center, and the placement in different buildings impacts different bonuses you get. For example, it may reduce the upkeep of uh, of uh, various things. It may make it so rockets build a little bit quicker or or less expensive. I have a slightly higher chance to have a successful launch. Yeah, which we'll get to that. And uh, there, it does feel like there's a trial and error on that to some extent. And I'm wondering if different space agencies are going to differ on that on that front later on. Because honestly, I just played as NASA. Well, did I you- also just played as NASA. <laughs> uh, of course we did, right? I, yeah, I played through the entirety of the demo um, because it, you know, it has a start year and an end year and you can end early if you complete all of the goals, um, mm-hmm. or all of the missions, which is send, uh, the, the final one, is it, uh, send a crude mission to Mars or is it? No, no, not it, Mars. Uh, God, uh, the moon. The I mean, moon. yeah. Um, sending a mission to the moon. It, it's not the, the landing, but it is uh, a mission to the moon. And that's like mm-hmm. sort of the final thing for the demo. But it's like, oh, you can keep playing if you want to 19, it was 1967. Mm-hmm. And then the demo forcibly ends. And I didn't go back and play it again after that. But, I mean, I, I really like it. Because I like management stuff. I yeah, mean, me I, too. I feel like it sells itself on the store page in a way that makes it look more like KSP than it actually is. Yeah, especially that... Um... The second screenshot. I mean, I realize that's probably a Unity asset, and there's only so many ways you can make the VAB without it looking like Kerbal. But it's just, I think it's the way it's tilt shifted and just, you know, the VAB in general. And, you know, Kerbal had some very strong artistic license from NASA. Yeah. That, yeah, it looks a lot like Kerbal, and they don't really show that it's a management game all that well. Yeah, because the second screen, or the first screenshot, rather, doesn't really do that sort of design process Mm -hmm. justice. Because it's more like putting certain um, sections together. Okay, okay, so in KSP, you know, you build your vehicle piece by piece, like each small piece by small piece. And in this, at least what was playable in the demo, you essentially had an upper stage that you could pick from several options that you researched, and a lower stage and a payload and that was it and there might be some more things later on well there was also the fact that if you kept using the same uh launcher essentially or launch platform it became more reliable as the engineers perfected it behind the scenes so it kind of uh, leaned it's uh uh, there's a cost benefit analysis of using a more apt rocket that isn't as tested or going overpowered as fuck on your rocket for a more reliable thing, but it takes longer to build. Yeah, and then prices, I mean, you know, you, you have the build time, the price, you know, how much it costs, and, um, you know, balancing those, and, and reliability and balance, balancing those things out. But, I mean, you know, it, it's it's more like sort of picking, trying to pick and choose the best combination of things as opposed to building a vehicle from the ground up. And then you have no direct control over the flight at all. Um, you just, the only thing that you can control is the launch date. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's essentially a dice roll. Yeah. Uh, 100, 
uh, side of the dice roll. And uh, that, that's one thing that I didn't care for was having it set a month instead of a week. Yeah, I didn't like that. So, you know, okay. So the way this breaks down is that you are, you have a mission, you know, various missions that you can choose to accept. And there are sort of the main ones and there are side contracts that come up that allow you to earn extra money or prestige or whatever. And you pick one and it's got, um, you know, mission parameters. And maybe it's launch a, a satellite to do some testing and take some readings. And so then you move to this assembly phase where you choose the different you, the, the different stages of your rocket and then the payload type because there's different types of payloads that can give you bonuses or maybe they're cheaper or more reliable but more expensive or more reliable but more heavy. And so you have to you know adjust the design of your rocket around that. Um, so, you know, some simple variables and the payloads also, as you use the same payload type more and more, your engineers get the same familiarity with it and they become, they get bonuses as well, more reliable or bonuses to the, the, the mini game that's involved with them, which I'll get to in a second. So then you go through that process. It tells you how long the rocket's going to take to assemble, how much it costs. You tell it to do that. Then when the rocket, um, you know, is complete, you choose your launch window and it does it by month instead of by week, which I don't like, but you know, I assume that's just a line they drew in the sand for gameplay balance purposes. And for example, there's um, a window that you can't launch in, and then there's poor launch conditions and then ideal launch conditions. Um, and poor launch conditions make your rocket launch more likely to fail, and then ideal is somewhere between zero to a bonus. Because if you get like really good weather on an ideal launch condition, then you might get a bonus to the successful chance to launch. Yeah, and there's well, there's also the fact that as your rockets uh, progress in reliability, the rockets themselves can get bonuses or can actually invert uh, conditions where otherwise unfavorable conditions would be favorable. Yeah. So there's also those to watch out for. Yeah. So then you get to the actual launch date. Um, and essentially you give it the go, no go, because there is a chance that even if you picked an ideal launch window, that it could be raining or there could be high winds or, you know, bad cloud coverage or something, you know, and, and it's, and it'll tell you like how it affects it. you could choose go, no go. Um, and then you push the button and it counts down and it launches and you watch a little, you know, this essentially the same video. Thankfully it's skippable. Yeah, it is skippable, thank God. Now, if you watch it and your rocket actually fails and blows up, it is different for that. But otherwise, it's just the rocket launch of what happened. And like Rage said, it's a percentage chance that is um, based on your rocket's reliability and the weather. And there's red, which means your rocket exploded. Yellow, which was there was some type of problem, but the launch was still successful. And you might get less research or less money, you know, because you have to repair something or there might be negative effects farther down the line in the next part of the mission blue, which is everything was fine. No problem. And then green, which is, it was like excellent. And you get like bonus science or your engineers learned something and your rockets now even more reliable or something like that. Yeah. Because even a failure, especially early on, isn't necessarily a death sentence to a rocket. It usually helps it in some way. Yeah. Cause my first couple of rocket launches were failures but you still get, you know, knowledge and information off of off of that. So the engineers still learned how to correct, you know, do better with building the rockets so that they were more reliable and stable and things. Which I do think uh, is something that really isn't highlighted in a lot of games, especially space games, that failure doesn't necessarily mean you learn nothing. And you don't see that too often. Yeah. Um, and then when, when your rockets or when your 
in space, then you have the payload mission, which for the moon mission had multiple parts to it. It had, I think, two or perhaps three parts. I can't remember. Um, and I assume there are missions that have more parts to them. I would imagine the Mars mission is probably damn long. Yeah. Um, but uh, they uh, they they say that, what did they say this was? Like a strategy something or other? I don't know. They make it seem bigger than it is. Really, it's just a mini game where that you're trying to balance resources like electricity, collected data, radio, uh, bandwidth, fuel. Um, Power. Yeah, well, yeah, power was the first thing oh, I sorry. said. Sorry, no, I, I was looking at this trying to think. Oh, what was the other one? Because it feels like I'm miss, uh, you're missing one. But yeah, and there's also a bonus if you get a certain amount above uh, what your objectives were. And there's always one that converts power directly into that resource. But then there's another one that converts one or two of the resources of the other resources into more of or one or two different resources. And then there's one that combines those two where it's power and a resource to make even more. And on manned missions, you could also use your manpower to uh, contribute, which uh, is limited, but replenishes while the power does not, unless you actually reach purposely recharge, which takes up one of four commands and you only have so many turns and there's four commands per turn. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a little mini game where you're trying to, you know, balance and use these resources to get whatever it is. Like you might need to have eight, um, you know, collected bandwidth and eight data, um, which is like a little purple icon. It's like, you Mm -hmm. know, like you have to balance it so that you have eight of those things at the end. And then there's a bonus if you have like 12 of each of them or something. Yeah, but there's also the fact that uh, based on the reliability of your craft, every command has a a percentage chance to either fail, go off without a hitch, or get a bonus. And the bonus is usually a bonus of that resource, while a fail can be overpowered by using an extra power. So you don't want to dip too low on your power. You want to sometimes recharge, but it's you know a, a nice balancing act actually. Yeah, the mini game in the early stages I found super easy, um, but by the time you get to the manned missions where that there's you know three or four or five things that you're trying to juggle, it does get a little more complex. And I liked it. I had to stop and think about it, but mm-hmm. I think they call it like you know, a management game with strategy elements or something like that. I'm sure. Honestly, I think they call it a tycoon game or closer to the, uh, to the point there. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a good mini game. I, I might could see it getting old if they don't do anything to change it up as you progress forward. But like from where we were, at least where the demo allowed you to go, it felt like a good progression of that. But if they didn't expand on it or change it in some fundamental way, I could see it getting boring. But um, the the maybe the final thing that we haven't talked about is that you're playing against these other space agencies. So the main missions are called milestone missions, and it's things like um, you know the first to orbit, the first to um, launch a particular type of satellite, the first to orbit the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so you get, uh, you've got resources to manage as an agency, money, 
science and then um uh, popularity or public opinion yeah i think it's i think it's public opinion my brain and, wants to say prestige but that's not quite correct uh, and if you uh as you progress through the game and uh, do milestones your public opinion improves and at the end of every year at least for nasa they uh you get a adjustment on your budget based on your public opinion so if the public loves you you get more money per month for the rest year of the of the next year and it becomes a bouncing act because there's also random events that pop up every so often that you have to set and weigh the cost benefit you could share some science uh, with another agency and get uh, some uh reputation with them which later on you might be able to run a cooperative mission with them which is not in the demo or uh in but at the cost of some public opinion or you could antagonize another uh, space agency that might be ahead of you lose some reputation with them and get some public opinion while the other ones like you a lot more because of it and i found it a really interesting uh balancing act and uh, it's a nice change of pace from just your know, general, uh, okay, you have this amount of money uh, and that's it. Or you know, you hit certain milestones and you get a bonus. Instead, you're based off of what the other agencies have done. So if you've orbited the moon, but you know, the other four have already, well, the other, the public opinion might go, not even go up. It may go down because it's, eh, who cares, right? Yeah, we, you know, you were the last one there. Why weren't, you know, why didn't we get there sooner? So that's a pretty, a pretty neat thing. And I'm interested to see if they track, for example, like when it, you know, they go from being the Soviet Union or when the Soviet Union dissolves, like, does that change the Russian space, space agency and their attitude towards NASA, for example, or, you know, or, you know, does nothing change? So be interested to see how that, how that plays out. But yeah, I mean, overall, I really like really like this game a lot. I'm definitely going to be getting it. Um, if yeah, not, I, I, I kind of wish I, I wish uh, yeah, I wish one of us had uh, played a different agency to see if it plays differently, or if it's just uh, you know a skin. Well, I know that they have different um, different rocket parts, which have different stats. Because I looked into that a little bit, but I don't know if other aspects of the game fundamentally play different. Um. I, I I would imagine that early on they probably all play really similar, but that they would div, uh, diverge. Because if you think about it, like the United States was the only country, or NASA was the only agency that had a successful shuttle program. The mm-hmm. Russians had one, but they never did more than test flights with it before they shut the program down. Well, well so, they, they didn't shut down the program. The country dissolved. Well, I thought they shut down the program, and then the country itself shut down. I, it, it, well, okay, it shut down pretty much because of the country it was going to shit. Okay, but anyways, so, so anyway. it's not really fair to say they shut down the the program because you know they were kind of have to shutter everything. Yeah, but so so you know, I wonder how that will affect different agencies later on. Um, the idea of private space companies, you know, SpaceX is being the most prominent, but there are others. You know, if that comes into play later on and changes stuff. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I hope it's more than just a scan. It looks like more than just a scan, but I could be wrong. Um, I mean, if the demo's available again, I will probably check it out and play a different agency and see how uh, well, well it I'm plays. I'm still seeing the demo on the store page. Can it still be launched? I've still got it installed. I just hit, just hit play. This could be a mistake. Thankfully, Craig is running. 
And it's going to be, uh, the game's going to be released in three weeks on November 17th, so. Do we know how much it's going to cost? Because I would easily uh, drop 20 bucks on this. I don't know, actually. I mean, there are some people complaining that's a dice rolling simulator, but yeah, that's space travel for you, right? Yeah. I'm okay with that aspect of the game because you can do a lot to mitigate it. Something we mm-hmm. didn't talk about was you can do mission training, um, which allows you to, in like, there's different types you can do for manned versus unmanned mission. Oh, it looks like the demo is still totally playable if you've got it installed. Um, although you said it was on the store page, so you can probably just download it. At least it. I can see the store page. Yeah. I mean, it, it launched and it didn't give me a message like, oh, the demo period for this is over, which has happened mm-hmm. with some of these demos. I've tried to go back and play. But um, but anyways, you can do do training, you do like true training or crew training or training the. You know, it looks like they don't want to announce the price yet. So, but that was you know quite a while back. So yeah, but you can do things like that to help mitigate you know the lowered percentage. And and I kind of like the aspect that it's like not you can't get a one hundred percent guarantee that it's going to be fine. Like it's space travel. I get that. I kind of like that at you know realism. Yeah, you know, especially, it, you know, in the early days, right? Yeah. I mean, even in the modern day, though, it's like, you know, we think we have all the variables under control, but we're fucking, you know, strapping essentially a gigantic controlled explosion to our asses, you know. No, 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 get it right. A giant controlled explosion built by the lowest bidder. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. So, but yeah, I mean, you know. I, I like that, that it, you can't get a 100% guaranteed success chance. But you can do a lot to help mitigate it so that it's only the weird random outlier that fucks you over mm-hmm. later on. So yeah, good game. I mean, you know, I hope it's 20 bucks or less. If it is, I'll buy it without hesitation. If it's more than 20 bucks, I don't know. I'd like to, you know, I'll look into it a little bit more and see what the mid to late game is like. Oh, I didn't even see this. It's actually being made with the input and support of the ESA and the UK Space Agency. So, all right. Very neat. All right. So, should I go ahead, since you talked a lot, and give you a little bit of a break? Well, yeah, and that'll work, because you've got four left, and I've got three left. So, we'll sandwich all Okay, so, my next one is Mech Mechanic Simulator. And if I hadn't uh, played MechWarrior 5, I would be shocked at how fucking boring you could make a game about giant stompy robots yet here we are <laughs> so make mechanic simulator it, okay it's not by the developers of the other mechanic simulators that are out there and there's actually quite a few of them these days uh but the most prominent being car mechanic simulator there's yacht mechanic simulator tank mechanic simulator train mechanic simulator actually there is I know. I I own it. I've played it. I've talked about it on the show. Uh, but they all play roughly the same. But this one, I think, misses the entire point. Uh, I will go out there and say I have not actually played the other ones just yet. So who knows? Maybe it's just not for me. But this one, it feels like, okay, it's not a good sign whenever I'm playing your demo. I'm thinking... Boy, I would love to see a competent developer with this and the Battletech uh, license, you know? Yeah. So, first of all, the mechs are pretty tiny. Uh, probably 20 feet max, which feels weird. It's like, okay, maybe this should be more like drone mechanic simulator. But it could just be, 
you know, uh, limited in the demo and later on you get access to bigger shit. But everything felt too simple or broken. And there wasn't really a lot of in-between. So uh, every mission starts off pretty much the same. You accept one out of the console and you see the same animation of one of like three mechs drop down from the ceiling uh, for somehow, right? Oh, and supposedly you are unlicensed mechanic at the start and you know, somehow you're still getting contracts. Yeah. Don't question it. Don't question it, right? Uh <laughs> my friend Bobby is a really talented mech mechanic, and because he ain't got no license, he'll get you a real good price. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, the first part is usually hosing down the mech, washing off some of the dirt, because why not, right? Right. And you're also limited on certain resources, so eventually you're going to run out of water and you have to buy more as well as other resources for your workshops, which I'll get to later. And you scan the mech by taking a glowy thing and running it over the body of the mech until enough pieces light up. Then you disconnect the uh, the arm or the leg or whatever. And I think the problem with this was there was no challenge. So... For me, everything I've seen about all the other good mechanic simulator games, you know, X mechanic simulator, whatever, is that it takes time to sit down and figure out what's wrong. Maybe some diagnostics or something. This, it's just, you or how they highlight the part. Then, whenever you're looking at the part on your workbench, it highlights exactly what part is wrong. And you just, Disassemble it enough so that you can access the part and remove it. And that's it. That's the big challenge, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just felt very lackluster. And part of me was sitting here thinking, man, imagine this fleshed out a lot more. And with the proper Battletech universe, especially since there's a lot of lore and a lot of detailed schematics about how these mechs are built. Can you imagine a, a developer going crazy with that? Maybe being part of a mech company and having to uh, manage uh, the workshop while your commander, you know, maybe make some questionable choices in, uh, in missions. <laughs> also known as me running the Battletech uh, <laughs> company, right? Yeah. Uh, having to swap out uh, uh, different weaponry and that sort of thing. This, it just, I, I realize this is a demo. And it says planned release, almost done, wish list now. So they're not going to change that much. It just felt too simplistic. You know, there wasn't enough there. It does look like eventually you'll be able to pilot the mechs, maybe, at least according to some of this. But even then, it's just, that that's not the point. That's not what I'm wanting to do here. So eventually you do unlock workbenches. So you're, uh, at first you're just, buying the spare part and, sh- and swapping it out and eventually maybe selling the extra part or the broken part for, you know, a few credits or whatever. But eventually you get a welder that was just glitched for me at least and never worked. It just sat there and spazzed and, but it was the same thing. You just uh, scan it until you find the broken piece, at least according to the tutorial. And then it, the game took care of it. It just seemed like they missed the entire point of, you know, of these type of games, really. 
I mean, you are more or less describing my experience with Train Mechanic Simulator. The only reason I played that game for as long as I did was because my kid liked it. Yeah, but that is that considered one of the good mechanic simulators, right? No, it's not. There, I mean, there were some parts of it where it got a little bit more in-depth later on, but the first, I don't know, three, three or four hours before the, some of the things opened up a little bit more in Train Mechanic Simulator, because there was like a map you could go drive around in and recover trains and do some like on-site maintenance and stuff. Like Before that opened up, it was just like, accept a contract, the same train, but in one of three different colors, you know, is towed into your repair yard. Scan it till you find the part, replace it, you know, repeat ad nauseum. And it, it took it a while before some things got a little more complicated and you had to actually do a little like digging, like, you know, on a diesel engine, like, oh, you're going to have to take the engine apart and examine all the pieces to try and yeah, figure but that's out. That's the thing they're not having to examine the pieces here at all. It glows what's wrong. Yeah, but, but I mean, what I'm saying is it took hours for Train Mechanic Simulator to get to that. And if the demo is only the opening part of the game, it could be suffering from the same sort of problem. Because at least with Train Mechanic Simulator, it holds your hand for a long-ass time before it kind of turns you loose and lets you start figuring out stuff on your own. Yeah, maybe. It's just... I'm just sitting here, I'm looking at Car Mechanic Simulator, which is what kind of kicked off all these uh, X-Simulators. And it just looks so much more in-depth than what anything they even talk about on the store page. It's not even the demo. It's the store page itself that just – I saw all of this. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't play it. I'm not trying to defend it or anything. But just it, it could be suffering a little bit from early in the game, like they're doing handhold – you know, being very handholdy. There are no even like – Sort of, you know, you're talking about it like having like a welder or something where you repair pieces. Train Mechanic Simulator doesn't have that. There's just a button where that you can try to recondition it. And in your like workshop, you buy you buy like upgraded tools. It's like you've got like a lathe and some other stuff that's in there that you upgrade, but you don't actually use them. It's just you click on the thing to recondition the part. And if you've got the right tools upgraded far enough, then you can recondition it for less than it would cost you to replace it outright so you get you know you get to keep some money on the contract yeah maybe it should, maybe it is the point where uh early game it's boring as hell but you know, they're trying to sell this right yeah and that's not a good sound whatever i'm just saying they're fantasizing about a BattleTech version of this one of us one of us or one like me one <laughs> like me ew so, yeah. Is that, uh, is that all you have yeah, to say? It yeah, didn't impress much. very much. Yeah, it did not impress me really at all. And maybe later on it would be better, but I mean, just looking at all the screenshots here, it's pretty much uh, looks like the vertical slice that I played was pretty indicative of what they're showing, short of the mech piloting, which. I don't know why they'd bother having that in this. Because that just feels like it's kind of getting away from, you know, the entire point of this. Yeah, it might be some kind of like test. It's like, all right, you did the repair. Now test to make sure, you know, and calibrate or whatever. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if it gets too much about like pilot the mech around, well, there's other games that that's what they're for. So, yeah, which I know uh, Car Mechanic Simulator it does have some driving in it as well and tuning. So that might be it, but it's just uh, the 
Uh, the uh, UI that they show is just horrendous for it. That might be part of it. It's just uh, all the UI is just going around the ship, interacting with various things, but it's very finicky. There's this robot. Uh, I think uh, C-3PO only about 50 times more annoying. It's pretty hard to do. C-3PO is really annoying. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, in the tutorial, it slowly fucking walks up the stairs that you have to go up. And there's no other way to get to the upper level. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, it just stood there and stopped at the top of the stairs as I needed to go downstairs. It's just, that also kind of soured me. Yeah. It's like, oh, can I just use him for spare parts, please? And it does look like this isn't their first rodeo with a mechanic simulator. Uh, they actually play or did a rover mechanic simulator that is an early access. That has some pretty positive results, but I'm just sitting here looking and this does look a hell of a lot more detailed than anything they showed in uh, Mech Mechanic Simulator, which is very disappointing, actually. It's more detailed and it's still in early access. That's the thing, right? Yeah. All right. Well, um, so I played okay. it. Uh, what? Uh, I was going to say, okay, your turn. Yep, so I played another demo. Uh, it's called Calico. I'm just going to get this out, said out front, right off the bat. This game is fucking garbage. This is a terrible, shitty, wonky, janky, badly controlling game that ha- needs a lot of rewriting done on the dialogue and someone to come through and do a spell check. Like, I, I, If you're not a native English speaker and you wrote this... Like, you speak better English than I speak your language, for sure. But even just, like, a basic, like, Microsoft Word spell check would fix a lot of problems. That being said, it's cute as hell. It's just fucking adorable. I don't know if there's actually a point to this game. Like, it says it's like a life community sim. If that's the case, none of that was present in the demo. You play, you can pick between two different characters from the demo. They said it was going to be a character creator, but two sort of different generic characters that as far as I tell, it doesn't make a difference which one you pick. And you just like materialize in this town and you're in charge of a cat cafe. And the tutorial... As you do. Indeed. The tutorial takes about 15 minutes to complete. You run around and you collect a few things to customize your cat cafe. You customize some cakes, you know, do some cake decorating, get some furniture, place it in the cat cafe, find a couple of lost cats, bring them back, um, and then you're done with the demo and you're given a, a witch's like broom that farts out stars and rainbows. It's, it's adorable. Uh, and you can fly around the whole map and interact with the cats. And I posted like a dozen screenshots and I have them all saved. And, you know, I can I can put, get, show them to you again. And if you want to use one of them for the show, although I usually do a GIF, I didn't record yeah. videos. But... And sometimes it's even funny. Indeed. But Irrelevant, it, but yeah, we'll see. But the, the whole game is based around interacting with cats. So there are small cats. There are like spectral cats. There, There's also dogs and other cute animals like chipmunks and a big raccoon. There are giant sized animals. And apparently you can get like magic potions that make animals larger or smaller. But there's a couple of giant sized animals. There's like a giant cat. 
like a regular giant cat, which you can see in one of the screenshots that they've got on the store page. And then there's like a giant fat roly poly cat. And instead of riding, you stand on top of and you roll around like a ball in uh, like you were playing Mario Party. Um, and then there's a giant dog you can ride and a giant raccoon that you can ride that I found. Um, you can pick up cats and dogs, the small ones, and you can pet them. You can shake them. And I think the idea is it's supposed to be like kind of cute, like, oh, pet and like move the kitty around. But you can like shake it very violently and makes the fit make the physics glitch out of control in this like weird, horrifying, but also adorable mess. You can like flip cats around at like weird angles and like hold them upside down and stuff. You can plop a cat down on your head and then pick up another cat and then climb on top of a giant cat and ride that cat around while you're holding a cat on your head and in your hands. Yeah, for some reason, this uh, store page, every time they uh, use the word cafe, it has an accented E. They're trying to be very fancy, I guess. But, um, like, that's that's the game. There might be some more to it in the released version. It makes it seem like you're going to be, like, managing this cat cafe and some kind of, like, simulation type thing and there's a calendar and a clock which never advances in the demo it's perpetually spring 1 12 30 p.m forever um it's it's so bad the animations are weird like they're competently done but you can run normally which is more like the pace of a walk it's very strange or you can sprint but you're like some four-year-old like girly girls so you like wave your arms around in front of you in this really weird awkward and annoying fashion oh there's toys where you can play with the cat there's a laser pointer and the cats will follow the laser pointer around on the screen that one's pretty great and then there's um what's the toy called that's like a fishing rod and there's like the the mouse on the end of it and you can fishing rod sure there's a fishing rod and you can wave that around and cats will try and catch it and paw it and if they get it they'll play with it like it's very cute but it's a horrible game and after 30 minutes of basking in its cuteness i was like okay i'm bored with this it's broken i never want to play it again (laughs) and then i closed it it's the strangest experience i've ever had with a game i think because it was so bad but also it was so lovely which says a lot because you play some weird fucking games. I do. I do. When it's, I, I'm not going to lie. When it, when it's released, if it's like five bucks or 10 bucks, I'll probably buy it. I'm just going to be real. I probably will. I mean, it could be a really interesting game if they actually develop the uh, simulation aspect of it. Cause you've got like your cafe and there's a little town you can go to. And there's like a witch that you can buy potions from and she lives in like a cottage that's inside of a bottle on top of like a magic mountain. Um, There's like an old hermit guy that likes you to bring cats by and he comments on the cats that you bring by. Like, you know, there's, there's some potential if they fix how broken and janky the game is. Cause can like to place objects in the cat cafe, it feels like they tried to copy like a mobile games like menus for its touch controls and then like didn't figure out how to make it work with a mouse if that makes sense it's like you click on stuff and nothing happens but you like tap like you were tapping your finger like i don't have a a a, uh touch screen monitor so i can't actually tap my monitor but it's like instead of like clicking and dragging or holding to move things around like you would expect in any of these types of games 
It's like you got to tap and then you got to tap on the screen and then you got to tap the thing and you got to move it around. And if you fuck up your placement, well, you might as well just put it back in your inventory and start again because you're never grabbing that thing again after it's been placed on the floor. And has become the button to pick it up has become lost in the ether. So you just push the button that um, undoes everything that you've placed and you start over. Like it's such a bad game, but it's so adorable for about 30 minutes. There you go. That's my thoughts on Calico. Okay, so moving on to my next demo. Palindrome Syndrome Escape Room, which is actually out now. Uh, I guess it was very, very late in its development. And it's an escape room puzzle game. And I actually really, really liked it. I would say that it's probably a really good buy at the $7 launch price. It's all about discovery of various puzzles and solutions like a real escape room. Now, I will say that the demo was probably a bit easy, but it was also the beginning of the game. So, you know, they're not going to throw a massive uh, curveball at you too much. And I did go through the demo fairly easily. There was a couple times I got hung up. I don't really want to talk about specifics of different puzzles because, you know, that gets a little too spoilerly. But it felt very well designed on all the aspects where there's nothing that's particularly hidden, all right? And that's always been my big hang-up with escape room games is that, oh, you didn't find this one little polygon of uh, black on, you know, almost completely black. So you couldn't find the clue for this puzzle. So you're there either guessing at it or, you know, you're completely stuck. This, at least in the beginning, you go around, there's no jumping, there's uh, no you know, platforming whatsoever from the sounds of it, and no jump scares or anything spooky like that. And every t- anytime you're near what can be considered a puzzle, it does highlight it, and it also highlights clues. So one example is there's a ID badge on a desk or a table in yeah, you go close enough and you're able to interact with it and read it. And uh, for other escape room games, it might be very easy to miss because it's, you know, sitting on the corner of this raised lipped desk. So, you know, it's very easy to glance past it as Shadow has a flea and scratches. I'm sure you can hear that in the background, some talking. Uh, but... It has a good balance. Now, there was a couple of things that it felt like they had it a little bit too easy, but like I said, it's the opening rooms of the game for the demo. Uh, and actually, I don't know the overall length of the game. Uh, I'm just looking at the reviews real quick, and nobody says how long. Some people are saying it's pretty short, though, and that might be a little bit of a damper, especially since... It doesn't really have any replay value outside of whatever story there is, which the story is you're a scientist waking up on a spaceship with no memory and you're trying to figure out what the fuck. So so that is very limiting in the replayability if you know, uh, it doesn't have a very compelling story or the puzzles aren't very compelling to you outside of just you know, the one-offs. Uh, but just looking through the different screenshots, there are some screenshots later on in the game, and it looks like they throw in some very different puzzles, along with uh, 
some more spatial reasoning than uh, what the uh, what the opening puzzles had, which was uh, some logic puzzles, uh, a couple uh, uh, puzzles that required uh, uh, figuring out things from the room. But yeah, uh, overall, I really liked it. Like I said, I didn't want to go too spoilerly on the puzzles. I don't see the ability to download the demo again. Although, yeah, that doesn't really say anything. But considering the fact that it is a short game, I don't want to ruin the first room. Right. Excuse me. But yeah, it's a very good environmental puzzle game. I I really dislike that they have the tag hidden object because to me that's, you know, find this in the static image and that's not really it. Not it at all, really. Uh, but yeah, a very uh, interesting take on the escape room uh, game. Not sure about the six, uh, the seven dollars if it's you know sub two hours, like they said. Oh, as Shadow makes a lot more noise. Boy, cats really are stealthy, aren't they? <laughs> so stealthy. I didn't hear anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, totally not sus. Uh, but yeah. Uh, overall, like I said, uh, pretty good uh, uh, little escape room game. I would say might uh, want to check to see if uh, other people uh, say it is as short as that or if somebody just had a big brain moment and got through it very quickly. Indeed. All right. Um, I, I flipped the order of my games around so I would end with a, a positive note instead of talking about this fucking piece of shit. Uh, I played, uh, well... Played is, is a strong word. I, I worked on Forza Motorsport 7 this week. Um, but you been, experienced. I, I experienced it. It's been out for a while, but it recently came to Game Pass. And anyone who's listened to the show for you know any length of time knows that I love Forza. It's my favorite um, sort of sim racing game uh you know horizons kind of breaks the the trend on that but the previous forza games were originally designed to compete with gran turismo you know be the grand the the xbox version of gran turismo and there's probably games out there that do it better i could probably think of a couple of pc games that have much more sim elements to it than forza and unfortunately the longer the forza series goes and the more it becomes a more popular sort of staple franchise for microsoft slash xbox the more they try to uh, make it palatable to all. And Forza 7 has received a ton of criticism for things like that. But I wouldn't know because I couldn't get it to fucking work. So 100 gigs, right? And because Microsoft servers for downloading stuff like that are shit, it took me like three days to actually get it to fully download because I'd leave it and I'd come back and be like, error, your download stopped. That was my first problem. Fine. I expect that out of the Microsoft store, out of the Game Pass app. Whatever, just download it in the background while I'm doing other stuff. Launch it. Game looks mwah, beautiful. Running, uh, unlocked 144 frames for the intro cinematic and in the menus. Very important that 144 frames a second in the menus. It's not really, it lies to you. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but, you know, especially on a static menu, I can't tell that's not actually running at 144 frames a second. That's what the little thing is telling me that it's running at. Um, <clears throat> so sounds good. Go through, start, create my driver. Um, cause that's a thing that you do now as you create your driver, um, launch the game. And it's got essentially a tutorial that's supposed to be like several, like predetermined races from 
you know, previous Forza tournament seasons or whatever. Um, game launches every three or four seconds freeze. It, it freezes up. A lot of hitching. Horrible. Literally unplayable. I'm like, okay, maybe I've got something wrong in the settings and it's not affecting it in the menu. So pull open the menu. This is where I discovered that it's lying to me about the frame rate. Because by default, it's got all of sort of the console compromise settings turned on. So everything is set to, I think what it, what it calls it, dynamic, I think, is the, the, type, the thing that they use for it, which is it's constantly trying to squeeze the most out of like the performance that you have available. Well, turns out that's completely broken on PC if you have anything more modern than like 2012 as your hardware base. Which I do. I got way more powerful stuff that. Oh, so that means I could play this? Maybe. Um, but I've got you know way more powerful stuff than the Xbox console, and so that basically just breaks the system because it doesn't know what to do because you've got too much power to throw at it. So okay, turn that off, and then when you do that, it turns out <coughs> game is locked to sixty, even though it will still tell you that it's running at whatever your monitor's resolution, like max or not resolution, maximum refresh rate is. It actually locks the game to 60. So fine. Turn off all the dynamic stuff. Turn off the, the frame rate limit limiter. Um, you know, set it to unlimited. Fine. You know, restart. Watch the stupid unskippable cutscene that opens the Forza season. All right, ready to go. Let's do this. And it's hitching every three to five seconds. Literally unplayable. All right, let's start messing with the settings. Change some settings, adjust some things, double check to see how much in, in task manager to see how much of my uh, processing capability on my computer is being used. Almost none. This is a very light game. It's designed to run on Xbox consoles, remember? I'm like, okay, that's that's fine. Let me try turning VSync on and off and messing with some basic things like that. Rewatch the start video again. Basically unplayable still, or not basically, literally unplayable hitching every three to five seconds, quit the game, close it in frustration, start looking for solutions. There are a million and one problems that cause this for people. This is a super common issue that there are threads all over the place. Forza's own forums, Reddit, um, random tech forums, everywhere. On the actual like Microsoft Windows 10 help page, like there's, there's, 50 different threads from different users about having this problem and how the posted solutions didn't work for them. So I, I picked a few of the most common solutions to try um, before I gave up because I couldn't get the game playable. But doing things like um, if you have a G-Sync monitor, which I have, disabling G-Sync in your graphics card settings because G-Sync messes with the game and the frame timings because of the xbox dynamic stuff which it turns out can't be fully turned off even if you turn it all the way off in the settings there's supposedly a way that you can go in and force it off in the code that was too much hassle for me (laughs) windows 10 and the way that it handles games is fucking stupid i hate it so i didn't go through that process but it doesn't actually turn the dynamic resolution off which is probably my problem because none of the other stuff worked um in terms of like disabling or enabling settings within the NVIDIA control panel, because I have um, an NVIDIA GPU. 
um, forcing off G-Sync on my monitor, trying different refresh rates on my monitor, because you know I've got it set to its max, which is 144, but trying to set it on uh, 90 or 100 or 60 even, and messing with that stuff. Changing it in the game, like nothing worked. I, I must have ran the benchmark 20 times, and every time, you know, same hitching problem every three to five seconds. So I just said, fuck it. I don't care. I do care. I'm mad, but fuck it. I'm not going to deal with it. And I turned it off for the last time and I uninstalled it. Although I've got a bunch of achievements in it because I've played so many of the other Forza games. It gives you a bunch of like bonuses and like um, uh, cosmetics for your, your driver and a bunch of cars because it's like, oh, yeah, you've played this Forza game and this one. You've got these achievements in the past game. I think I got five achievements just because it gave me so many things from all the past Forza games I've played to complete milestones in the game. Because it's like, collect so many cars, collect so many items, have a certain driver level, because you get driver level stuff for having these things. And so I got four or five achievements, and I couldn't even actually really play the game. So, yeah, fuck Forza 7 on Windows 10. Like, your port is bad, and you should feel bad, but you don't. Fuck off. Go ahead. Well, at least you didn't buy it, right? That is true. At least I didn't buy it. At least I tried it through Game Pass. Because the next biggest complaint after that was, tried all of these fixes, tried to fix it. Microsoft won't refund my money because I launched the game. <laughs> so, right. fuck them. Well, what's the next game you played, Rich? So, my next demo is Roboco. This is one of many out there robot building games. But this one had a couple interesting things. One, I should say, right off the bat, the demo had practically nothing in it. It had one scenario and the sandbox in it. And outside of that, it was just the the building tools or what building tools you were given because, you know, it feels like you weren't giving near everything that... the game would offer eventually. But one thing I found interesting about this was that it has the ability to grab and stretch objects. So typically in these games, you have like half a dozen different blocks that are very similar, only slightly different dimensions. Uh, this was a problem with Carpal Space Program as well, as well as you know countless other games. This, right. you're able to just grab it and you know, we'll just you know, make this block a lot taller or grab this arm and extend it out. And it makes it so that you could quickly adjust and uh, tweak designs, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it seems like the main game is going to be based around challenges with, opt- with optimal objectives on top of it. So the one that you're given is deliver a sandwich. Doesn't say how, doesn't care how, Deliver your damn sandwich. And you're uh, put into a restaurant with a waiter wandering around and a drop location that drops the sandwich onto your robot. And from there, it's figure out how to do it with optional objectives. Uh, Put it on the table because you just had to get it near the table uh, to complete it. Uh, Deliver it on the plate with uh, it upright. And I believe the third objective was deliver it onto the table without touching the table. And I found it interesting to toy around with different designs. And uh, the pre-made the pre-made bots in it, well, 
they weren't helpful for that particular challenge, but there was one that was a trike that <laughs> uh, used uh, a powered wheel, but had uh, the joints uh, built into it. So it looked like the robot was pedaling the, the trike. There was a spider bot, which was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a rather nice little uh, you know, building game. Uh, I did have some trouble with the camera. It just it felt like at times it was doing not quite what I wanted. And I think it's just because the way the camera is handled, it, it, it rotates on a, on, on an odd axis and it just doesn't feel intuitive. And it might be just one of those things where playing it enough, you'll get a feel for it, but it's a very kind of cutesy builder. You'd see in the screenshots, you know, the, I think all those are of the restaurant with just like different uh, skins on it. No, no, uh, it looks like another one is deliver a candle onto the table. Um, the sandbox, it had kind of uh, this wacky, almost aperture science feel to it, where, you know, uh, science gone mad, but it hasn't gone evil just yet. And there was a lot of options to tweak designs as well in advanced mode. Like, uh, just looking at the screenshots here, for example, on uh, adjusting the rotation of a servo, how quickly it rotates, its maximum torque, its angle limits. If it returns to origin after uh, being triggered, if it does oscillate, it's quite advanced for such a cutesy game. I was actually really impressed with it. I just wish that they had more to show on the content-wise. You know, just how much gameplay is there outside the sandbox. But, you know... uh, it does look like it's planning to release soon, but they don't have a a date on it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say Roboco is a wholesome sandbox game about designing and building robots to serve the needs of squishy, hapless humans in the world of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like there's flying robots. Oh, the the gift does have the uh, the uh, trike uh, on the building robot. You can imagine. Actually, maybe I was mistaken on uh, the uh, legs on it, but they have all these little cutesy pieces where, uh, you know, there's little robot heads and hats and cosmetic pieces that you make your robot look cute. And I actually really enjoyed it. Like I said, I just wish that there was more in the demo to get a feel for, you know, what content-wise they had uh, planned. Yeah, it looks interesting. Um, Is the demo still available for it? I closed Uh, the page already. I don't see it on here. Like I said, the demo was only one level. Okay, and the demo's not available on the store page. That's fine. Still possibly but, check but, it out. But I did like the fact that, you know, it was so easy to change designs. Uh, like, uh, well, I did something different than what the GIF shows. I put a uh, platform and had pistons push the uh, sandwich off. Uh, but uh, getting it uh, the, at the right height was pretty easy, just you know, clicking and dragging things. Which they really don't highlight that well. Uh, let's see if they show any of that. Uh, I don't see it, but it does get pretty in-depth on just uh, how crazy you get uh, with uh, left-hand and right-hand controls, but then you get to add custom ones as well. And it does have pre-mapped buttons for W, S, A, D, E, and Q. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the left hand, and I think, I think it's uh, uh, I J K L uh, with uh, 
U and O as the alternate keys on the right hand. But you can also control with the mouse. And like I said, there's also the ability to have custom controls. Uh, the big thing I had trouble with, like I said, the camera was a little wonky at times. And also rotating parts could sometimes be wonky because you have to click and drag on the three axes. You know how Kerbal Space Program has, which I realized this is like, what, the third time we've referenced Kerbal today? Yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah, it's the big indie darling, right? But you know how Kerbal eventually had the rotation tools where you could uh, bring up a thing and it would have the three axes, the three rings around it, and you could click and drag on it? Yeah. Well, they have that, but if the part is too close to the edge of the screen, it didn't want to uh, rotate properly, and it still could only rotate in the uh, in 90-degree increments. So, yeah, there was no you know, need to have something like that whenever you could just... Uh, I have like buttons or something, but that's probably yeah, nitpicking. But yeah, overall, if they don't have this being uh, an exorbitant price or just you know, no content and it's relying on community, which you know, is always a gamble for indie games, I would say definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So I'm going to end on a mostly positive note with the fourth game that I played. Um, this is another one from Game Pass. Um, although, again, using the Steam link as we usually do if one is available. Um, Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden. This is um, a turn-based strategy game. Um, very much like XCOM in the turn-based part of it. I mean, it feels like they took XCOM's system and pretty much copied it into the game in terms of, like, you have the two action points, which you can spend both for movement or to attack or use certain abilities that may or may not end your turn and, you know, telling you things like that. Um, It copies that system directly, um, but then it adds its own interesting sort of twist to it. Um, You explore the map in a top-down or an isometric, from an isometric point of view, um, and the world is open world. Um, I mean, it's sectioned off sort of areas that you travel to and from, in order to get to your various objectives, but you can explore them freely. There are very few restrictions on where you can go and the levels that areas are separated by level. And so if you're like level 15, for example, like as long as there's nothing like physically blocking the path to a level 25 or 30 area, you can go there. Um, I mean, you'll get your shit kicked in if you fight enemies, but you can go there and do some exploring and pick up some stuff. Um, like, and that's definitely going to be something that you're going to have to do. I'll talk about it in a little bit, but so it's, you know, it, it's, um, map areas, but you can explore them. There's hidden secrets and things to find and you pick up the various resources of the game. Um, and then, uh, you do this to essentially set yourself up for combat. The enemies are on the map. Um, and you can see them wandering around. You can see their detection ranges, and you can figure out how to ambush them based on the terrain available to you. And you split your party up and stink them around and get them in the best ambush point. And then you decide when combat starts if you do it that way. Um, so it's got that aspect to it. It's sort of a... Uh, it, it makes me think of, like, Divinity, honestly, with, like, the way that you sort of explore the map and can check stuff out and interact with things and set yourself up possibly for, you know, the best starting combat move that you can. And then initiating the combat by exiting sneak, essentially um, and getting a surprise attack or surprise round, depending on how you do. 
I mean, it, it feels very, you know, sort of like a combination of Divinity and XCOM in that way. Um, the story is set in a post-apocalyptic Earth. I believe you're in Sweden. Um, based on some stuff that I looked up about the game, I'm I'm pretty sure it, it's in Sweden. I'm sure, it, like, you can just look it up specifically. Like, where's Mutant Year Zero on planet Earth? But, of course, you know, everybody speaks English and all of the... Most of the writing is in English, which I don't know. Maybe it's like that in Sweden, anyway. So I don't know a lot personally about Sweden, um, but uh, so it's, it's post-apocalyptic, and the the you're playing as the mutants. Um, I don't. I haven't gotten super far in the story. I've played it for about six or seven hours, but I'm still technically only on the first mission after the tutorial. Um, because of the way that the exploration and the combat works and it's, it's pacing. Um, but you play these mutant characters who suppose, I don't, I don't believe any of this for a second. Like I've played a lot of video games. I've read a lot of books. I've watched a lot of movies. I'm almost a hundred percent sure that the guy that's like leading your survival, like band of survivors is like some, the actual big, bad, evil guy. And he created all of your characters. Like that's what I think. I don't know that to be true, but it just like I get those vibes hardcore off of it. But supposedly, you know, there was this huge nuclear war after a horrendous uh, plague. So, you know, too too soon, too real. So 2021 got it. Yeah, pretty much 2021. Um, but no, there was there was this huge plague that lasted for like 40 years, wiped out most of humanity. What was left went to nuclear war with each other and mutants um, were you know, one of the reactions that people could have to a combination of the plague and the radiation. Um, and then there's ghouls, which are humans that have survived in the radiation and are basically just like morons. They've lost a lot of intelligence and the ability to like work together and sort of communicate. Like they have very basic, but poor sentence structures. Um, feels very like caveman-ish whenever they speak. Um, but they're, they're funny. And I kind of like, you know, they're they're kind of endearing in this weird way. I mean, then you have like the normal humans who were kind of in like safe zones who banded together to form communities trying to just survive and carry on with the old way of life. And uh, the place where you're from is called the Ark. And so you're the mutants and you because you're these mutants who you know, have supposedly reacted to the radiation and the disease you can go out into the wasteland with no ill effect. Um, and so you're called stalkers. You go out into the wasteland, you're supposed to bring back scrap and materials. And if you find any survivors that could be useful, you know, bring them back to <coughs> And stalkers is a very apt description because that's what you're going to be doing a lot is stalking. The difficulty of this game is all wrong. And I don't normally like say that about games. It's got three difficulty settings, easy, hard, and very hard. And I thought, okay, they're being like cute or clever or something with a difficulty. It's like easy is easy, hard is medium, very hard is hard. No, easy feels like it should be normal. Hard is fucking hard. And I haven't played on very hard yet, but I probably would have been frustrated and quit the game. Um, I believe hard or very hard is hurt me, daddy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there needs to be a fourth difficulty option that is, for the most part, easier than easy. Um, the, the easy difficulty, so easy difficulty, enemies have less health and um, resources are 
less scarce, and then after every combat, all of your characters recover to full health without having to use any med kits. And then hard is enemies have more health, um, resources are more scarce, and you recover half health after every battle without having to spend any med kits. And what I would like to see is um, another difficulty where the enemies have normal health and resources are normal and you recover half of your health or maybe all of your health after every battle. I feel constantly underleveled because I am and constantly short of resources because I am. Um, And constantly, like, if I fuck up, it's over and I'm going to have to go back a save point or two in order to undo all the mistakes I made to beat the situation that I'm in. And I'm slowly learning ways to sort of exploit the AI, which on the one hand feels really good, but on the other hand is like, well, if the, the difficulty was more balanced, I wouldn't have to do this and I could play it in a more relaxed or normal fashion like without having to like sit and think and plan my way through everything i mean if that's the experience that you want like more power to you they don't do a good job making you understand because it's like hard is you know with the, the options it's like if you've played strategy games before this is the difficulty for you like perfectly balanced to provide you a challenge but not be too difficult and those are lies <laughs> um and i like I, I'm I'm saying this as someone who has played so many of these types of games for years and years and years. And just the balance is off. It doesn't feel unfair. Like, this is weird, I feel. But this feels like Dark Souls <laughs> in the way that it's different. Like, it's hard and it's frustrating, but it's fair. I never feel like I got fucked over because the game cheated or didn't aside from the fact that I feel like the difficulty description at the beginning was misleading, like I never felt like something happened, you know, that wasn't my fault. It's like, Oh, I fucked up or, Oh, I didn't catch this soon enough in order to do something with it. And now the enemy has reinforcements and I'm out of med packs and I'm out of grenades. I'm probably going to die. Let me just reload that save. Like everything that happens feels like it was my fault, but I feel like I can't make any mistakes because if I do make mistakes, it's over and I might as well just reload a save instead of trying to figure my my way out of the situation because I feel like enemies have too much health and you don't have enough resources. Um, There's three resources in the game. There's artifacts, which are things that you find from pre-war era, like a working radio or a working computer or whatever. And you bring those back and you trade those in for like special abilities or special like upgrades um, you can carry more grenades at once or you get a discount in the store or um, your weapons, all weapons do one more damage or something like that. Um, there's scrap, which you bring in and you trade for basic supplies like med kits and the basic grenade types or basic armor from the store. And then there are weapon parts, which you use to upgrade the weapons that you find. Um, and I never have enough scrap or weapon parts. I think the artifact points are fixed and you just have to find them by exploring. I've gotten three or four artifact upgrades at this point. That feels fine. Um, but, I mean, my weapons are under-leveled 
and I'm constantly running low on gear because you don't find very much gear in the world. Each map has got like a treasure chest that has some type of loot in it. And I'm always the most happy when I find med kits because you can't regenerate any health beyond that halfway point without a med kit. Um, So basically you're effectively fighting at half health all the time, unless you have med kits to replenish your health outside of combat. You can use them inside of combat, but honestly it's a waste in combat. They only heal four health and my like tank character has like 15 health. So I should just wait until after combat and then use the med kit to get full health. So all of that to say, the game is not balanced properly. It needs one more difficulty mode that is in between easy and hard to be an actual like medium or normal difficulty where that enemy health is unchanged and like loot drop rates are unchanged. That And I think that would balance the scales a little bit more. That way I don't feel like I'm constantly underleveled and like stressed out because you'll like the the game's natural progression where it wants you to go for this first mission you start out five levels below the first area that you go into and so you're perpetually between you know four and five levels below an area when you start it and then at the end of that area you hit the level that the area is at which just makes the encounters more difficult because every level that enemies have, they get higher leveled enemies or higher tier enemies that have more health and weapons that do more damage and more special abilities or, or, you know, more special enemy types. And at, at most you can only have three characters. You start the game with two, you play for a couple hours with two, and then you get a third squad member. And supposedly there's a fourth or two more squad members that you can get, you can like swap out. So a total of five, but you can never use more than three at a time, actually like out exploring it in combat. So you're also always outnumbered. The way to play the game is like a stalker. You you learn enemies patrol patterns by sneaking around with your flashlight off and hiding in the bushes, wait until an enemy or maybe two enemies are isolated from the main pack, ambush them, kill them, before they alert their buddies that you're fucking their shit up, otherwise you're screwed because they've now called in all the enemies, and you rinse and repeat that <clears throat> until you've whittled down the main enemy group as far as it can go. And that usually leaves like three or four guys like around a campfire that never move or go on patrol. And then you do the same thing with them. You ambush them. Hopefully you kill one of them before they get their first combat round. So you're fighting as even as you possibly can. And that's tedious, and it has resulted in me doing a lot of save scumming. Boy, this makes me glad I didn't play it. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm being really down on it because the game is so unbalanced. But because I'm someone who really likes all of the other stuff in this game that I'm about to talk about, it it is very endearing to me. So the game balance is fucked up, and I could just play it on easy, but then it's too easy. And so it's not there's no fun and there's not really any challenge to it, at least from what I've played. I I started another game and played it on easy for a little bit. And I was like, eh, I'm not really enjoying this as much. Um, Because it, it reduces the enemy's health by like 25%. And then, you know, then you can make, I won't say you can make all the mistakes you want, but you don't really have to plan very much anymore. I'd like to be able to make a couple of mistakes and feel like I can recover from them. But right now I feel pretty much if I make 
if I make two mistakes, it's over. You might be able to recover from one mistake as long as it's not too bad. But that's the balance. The gameplay is fine. Like I said, it's a copy of basically XCOM for that portion of it. Where the game really, really, really shines is the writing and the world that they have created. And that, you know, that could fall apart as the game goes on. But they sort of set up this, like, really intriguing story about... They don't tell you where you're at in, you know, sort of the timeline and, you know, relative to the present day. All you know is that there was this plague. It lasted for 40 years. There was a brief nuclear war. And then you're some years after that. I get the impression it's around 15 to 20 years after the end of the nuclear war. Long enough that a generation of people has been raised that doesn't have any connection to the old world. So 20, probably 20 to 25 years more. I'm going to revise that a little bit. And so there's all this interesting take on our world in the present day and our technology by a society and a culture who has no idea what any of this stuff is. And some of it is played for sort of, you know, joking comic relief. And some of it is taken very seriously in a way that that anthropologists sort of look at cultures from the past. Like, so for example, one of the artifacts that you find is a boombox. And one of the characters um, is like, oh, you know, don't touch that red button. That's a boombox. Like, if you touch the red button, what do you think it's going to do? They call it a boombox. It's going to explode. And one of the other characters is like, shut the fuck up. You don't, you don't, you know, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, stuff like that. But it's kind of like, oh, haha, that's funny. Like, you know, they think it's a bomb because it's called a boombox. You know? Um, but then other stuff, like, uh, firemen, for example, you know, the the idea that there were like these firemen, well, obviously, you know, we know firemen as people who go to put out fires, but they think that firemen are people who went to go start fires. And so there's this like codex entry on the fireman like suit and why it's flame resistant because these firemen would go start fires and, you know, would use this as some type of ritual um, or the idea of a defibrillator. They think that because there's someone who's laying down on the, you know, the phone, the the, the picture like instructions for the defibrillator that it was used as some type of like massage device or relaxation tool. So there's lots of interesting little, you know, commentary on our society and how, you know, potentially a, a, a future culture with no context would look back at our society. And I love stuff like that. Like if you, you know, as if you are listening to this and you don't care about stuff like that, that's probably not going to endear you to the game any, but I like it. Um, and there's there's some intrigue that it's setting up about like these crashed things that at first you're like, oh, that must be like a crashed satellite, but it's not. It's something else. And I don't know if it's an alien ship or if it's like some type of robot or, you know, AI like and they talk about this idea of like Eden being a place where that um, there are still machines that actively serve and protect people. And, you know, OK, is this like a space colony that they don't know how to talk about that because they have no culture for it? And they do a really good job introducing these elements and talking about them and giving you enough information to keep you intrigued and progressing the story forward. It's a really excellently written story with great dialogue between the characters. Um, sort of the three characters that are on the, uh, you know, the box art or whatever, as it were, is uh, the pig guy or, or the boar man, whose name is Borman, a uh, little on the nose, and uh, a duck person whose name is ducks also very on the nose but it's cute and i like that kind of stuff 
and they're you know buddies that have been partners um partner stalkers for a long time and so they have really good witty banter a lot of unique dialogue i've never heard the same thing repeated outside of combat dialogue like whenever they kill someone or something like that um so they took a lot of time to really write good characters what i feel is a really good story that's got some interesting takes on current modern culture some of them played for laughs some of them a little more critical um so that plus the art style is really well done um i felt like they did the right amount of like there's no uncanny valley for the mutants um you know they don't try to make it too realistic they lean into an art style um so i think the game looks great it sounds great they got the mechanics nailed down. Um, I think the balance is way out of whack, but I've enjoyed it. You know, if I was going to like rate it, you know, this is like a solid like B game and it's priced at $35 brand new. If you buy it like on Steam, um, I mean, I feel like that's within the range of like a B tier game, which is what this feels like. If the game balance was better, it would probably be like a it, it would easily be into a B plus maybe even an A minus. And I think I'm giving it a little, maybe a little too much grace on the balance. Like I know, Oh, you're good. I I know I bitched about it for like 10 minutes straight, but I think I'm giving it a little bit of grace because I, as someone with a lot of experience with this genre of game was able to figure it out and, and have been learning how to sort of wrangle it. But to someone who's new to this type of game, I don't know if even if easy would be playable. Like, if you have no experience with this type of game and you played it because it was on Game Pass, I mean, that would be the best way to do it. But, you know, played it because it was there or you bought it on sale for, you know, 10 or 15 bucks. I still think easy mode might be way too difficult for someone without a lot of experience in the genre or maybe no experience because it doesn't do a good job of trying to teach you like, okay, here is how you approach these situations. It has a tutorial that teaches you about sneaking and about ambushes and stuff like that. But it doesn't really teach you, like, here is how you set up a good ambush. Here are how the mechanics work for if you use your silenced weapons versus your unsilenced weapons. Here is what happens if you don't kill this enemy in one round. You know, it, it doesn't tell you what the consequences are. And as an experienced player, I like that. It would have been nice to have known anyways, though, because it would have saved me a lot of effort on trial and error, and I could have focused on honing the way to play the game a lot sooner. But to someone who has no experience with this type of game, that might be a nut that's too tough to crack before they they give up. So it's hard to say. I like it as someone who has experience in the genre. But if you're new to this genre, I I can't give it as, you know, thumbs up of of a recommendation as I would like. I'm going to keep playing it. We'll see if I finish it or not. Well, you're making me wish I resorted mine to on a positive note, but unfortunately not. That's okay. What <laughs> so you got? my last one is Ill Space. And uh, this one is kind of weird. So this is part base builder, but a lot tower defense and resource gathering. But the I think my problem with it, well, my primary problem with it is they didn't bother with any tutorial. And there's really very limited tooltips. The UI is minimalistic is probably being generous. 
Oh, and it starts throwing great enemies at you to start blowing up your shit in about five minutes. So you don't have time to really figure out what the hell is going on. So cool and good games. I, I, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> Sorry, that's the developer. I think if I sat and figured it out a little bit more, I might like this a lot more, but it seems like space station games are like, you know, the death note for, or the death kneel for a video game to begin with. Doesn't it? I can't, I can't think of any or many good ones. And this one, it, it does this weird thing where you only have a handful of uh, parts and it's all built like the international space station where, uh, it's joined at on the uh, six uh, sides of like a cube, but some parts are dead ends. But it doesn't say which ones are dead ends. Ooh, right, right. And weapons to be able to defend yourself also take up one of those ports instead of being able to like surface mount them. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of questionable design about this that. <sighs> It might just be simply the fact that I did not have the patience for it whatsoever. Also, it probably doesn't help that one of their or several of their screenshots, they're going for an action feel, and they have the (laughs) this depth filter on it that is just nauseating. Look at screenshot twelve of fourteen, for example, and tell me that isn't nauseating to you, or actually, like. 11 or 12, Oof, right? Now, I will say the the game is very pretty, but it's style over substance here. Oh, you said something? Oh, yeah, I just went, oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, and I have a feeling that on a bigger space station, you're going to hit some pretty severe performance issues if they're going this high on styling, huh? Yeah, but you're right, it is very, very pretty. Yeah, it's as pretty as it is annoying. And there's not really a lot on uh, what's actually going on. It's just you're building a space station for whatever reason. You could uh, call in a supply ship uh, to get metal until you uh, build your uh, own mining laser to be able to zap nearby asteroids and uh, build a refinery in order to uh, slowly, and I mean slowly, produce your own metals. Uh, But I just found it very frustrating because I kept having enemies show up and destroy all my solar panels, which zapped my energy, and there's no batteries that I saw, at least uh, in the parts. I could be mistaken on that. Uh, to be able to uh, keep my weapons charged to be able to fire back on top of the whole, you know, uh, some uh, of the uh, uh, modules are dead end, so I have to be careful with that. Uh uh, building too high may block off um, a firing arc, so I have to watch out for that. Uh, it doesn't highlight just how a weapon fires in general, which is irritating. Uh, I had missiles that never fired. I'm not sure if I needed defense or needed ammo for them or if that slowly generates because I'm bringing in resources. Or, Like I said, this game desperately needs a tutorial. This game needs... Uh, some fucking tool tips. It needs uh, just a general, you know, polish pass. But, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
Uh, they're planning on it to be in early access for 18 months. It's not released yet. So there is a chance that they'll eventually get it there. But, oh, I just found it frustrating. Just pure and simple. Mm-hmm. It does look very pretty, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at some of the reviews on the uh, forums. And they're saying, uh, while poorly explained, the power system is cool. I never got to the, that point because it just... I kept getting blown up. Just uh, enemy, you know, just a small dot very high above me. And my weapons didn't seem to ever do a damn thing. Mm-hmm. And it could be just I missed a button somewhere. And that's very likely, actually. Or just there was something going on with the demo that just it didn't like me. Which is also possible. Indeed. Well, that was a very, very long chat about games that we played. Yes, Which, yes, yeah. it was. It's good, good to talk yeah. games. Yeah, it was so long. Uh, my kitten got up, ran around the room, and it's now sleeping again. <laughs> and he's being very cute on my, uh, yeah, chair that's toppled over, so I can try to work on it eventually. Nice. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move along since it's already midnight. Let's uh, get through these news topics. Um, yeah, I don't first... think these are going to be very long. Hopefully. Yeah, so the first one is is editorialized, um, an editorialized title for this. U.S. politicians engage with voters through video games. So we've got two things, two U.S. politicians, uh, Joe Biden and uh, AOC, mm-hmm. um, who have video game things going on. Um, which one do you want to start with? Yeah, well, Alexandria Osorto-Cortez. I think I pronounced her uh I never can- part. First part of her, I had to actually go double check it. I do Alexandria and Cortez, but I couldn't remember these middle initial. Yeah. So uh, let's just talk Joe Biden uh, first because uh, it's cute as hell. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Animal Crossing is a thing, and people have done some wacky, wacky things with it because of the pandemic. Uh, we've seen talk shows. We've uh, uh, seen various <laughs> uh, recreations of uh, real uh, life areas, and now we have a campaign headquarters for Joe Biden, <laughs> uh, uh, complete with uh, information on how to vote in various uh, uh, various states, and it's just cute. Yeah, and refreshing to see a uh, a politician that's working to actually get out and connect with younger voters instead of just yelling at them to get off their lawn. Yeah. Or just yelling at them to do stuff. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's actually trying. Um, you know, I don't, it, this definitely wasn't his idea. I'm sure he had to green light it, but I'm sure one of his campaign people, managers, or, you know, one of their aides or something familiar with the animal crossing knows, you know, about earlier in this year, like we just said, like how people were doing a lot with it because of the pandemic and its popularity. It was like, hey, why don't we try and do this thing? Um, I didn't see in the article if they, like, set this up specifically with Nintendo or if they used all, like, in-game stuff. I don't know if you can upload assets yourself or upload pictures and stuff into the game to use for the decorations, but... Uh, No idea. I, I would imagine that they probably set this up quite a bit in advance, would have had to have had a conversation with Nintendo about getting all this stuff put in there. I mean, maybe they didn't. Maybe you can completely do this in game. 
Um, I'm I'm not aware if you can because the biggest thing would be all of the custom stuff that like you know it, it's like on the floor there's like a rug thing that says i will vote.com and it's got the voting plan checklist for the u.s and stuff on it that's got uh like biden harris and um you know a, a number to text and stuff like that um I, I so i don't know if they can do that or if those would have had to have been custom ass- assets generated or at least loaded uploaded by nintendo um but uh, regardless, this would have taken at least a little bit of time to plan anyways. So, but it's neat. It, I, I like it looks like uh, there's a custom designs app that lets you build stuff. So it looks like a lot of this is just possibly just uh, uh, what's able to be done in app or in game. That's very cool. So then, and I guess that makes sense too, because I couldn't imagine Nintendo you know, or Nintendo of America, like being like, yeah, sure. We'll make a thing for you. And so you can, you know, be political in our games because game development companies are very much that their games don't have anything to do with politics ever. Yeah. Especially when they have something to do with like Brexit. Yeah. (laughs) So, but I mean, you know, it's very cool that the, you know, the campaign staff or the interns like put this together. Like it's a really good idea. And I think it will connect well with a lot of younger voters who, I, I mean, I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like both sort of intuitively and from what I've seen, like polling and play and things that younger voters are leaning more heavily in Biden's direction anyways, but younger voters that are apathetic might see this and, and feel a little bit of connection to him and be willing to go vote for him. Whereas previously they wouldn't have voted at all. Um, I don't think that this is going to sway anybody who is leaning even a little bit into the the Trump camp, but who knows? I could be wrong. There's a lot of things, despite it being my whole job to understand people. There's a lot I don't understand about people. Um, so you know, I am human, and my knowledge is finite. But it's very cool. I like it. Yeah, I'm just uh, going down kind of the rabbit hole of just how this is done, and it looks like it's done through an app and through QR codes, and it's quite involved. Just how much you could do cool um i i think this is way better than pokemon go to the polls so true or pokemon go to church (laughs) yeah but you know this took more effort and time and thought than just a simple you know wordplay or you know type of thing and like i said i don't think joe biden did any of this himself but he would have had to have looked at it and approved it at least so good for him for trying to connect with the youths. Um, yeah, and speaking of connecting with the youths. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, my God. My favorite, favorite U.S. congressperson is, created a, a Twitch account. So she talked about this. I saw this yesterday. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at her name so I can say it. My brain just refuses to learn her name. I always think of her as the initials AOC. Anyways, um, I saw that she was tweeting about doing this yesterday because I follow her on on Twitter and I love her. Um, and uh, there was some issue, and I, I think it was because she was both like doesn't have any experience with streaming, and so she was having some sort of like, how do I do this? How do I set this up? Kind of technical problems. And then also there were a couple other people who wanted to get involved when she tweeted about it. Um, but got the account set up got everything ready 
Um, and then tonight, as it, you know, tonight being the night that we recorded, um, started streaming at, I believe, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Looks like her stream went for a few hours. Um, she's offline now, but um, she streamed Among Us for a few hours and uh, played, and it was great to watch. I we I watched about fifteen minutes of it while we were sitting here getting ready. Yeah, I watched a little bit more just because I wanted to see the ending, Uh, and it was, uh, it wasn't, it didn't feel like uh, a situation where she didn't know what she was doing, which is something that uh, pops up every so often whenever you see celebrity plays game on Twitch or whatever. You know, you always have this feeling of, oh, this is the first time they've ever seen this game, let alone played it. But she actually played it intelligently. She played it well. And it was fun to watch. And it wasn't cringy either. It wasn't the whole, you know, you know, uh, uh, she did make one joke about voting early. Uh, uh, you know, she's mailing it in. She's voting early. Yeah. But it was a funny joke. It wasn't, you know, it didn't feel overly political. It didn't feel... uh uh, too much, I guess is, is the way to say it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I was looking while we were both, um, you know, earlier during the, the recording um, or, you know, earlier when we were recording, um, I was going through and looking at some of the tweets while you were talking about stuff to see like how the progress on the stream was going. And if she had done any of those cringy things, and there are some people like saying that, you know, she had a cringy moment here or there, you know, one or two, like, forced, like, political things. But for the most part, she was just hanging out, playing the game, talking to people, um, you know, just chilling and having a good time, doing a stream. Um, and that's awesome. Like, I, I, I mean, I already loved her. She was, like, an, a 12 in my book, and now she's escalated up another couple of numbers on the chart. But uh, I've I've thought about this for years. Like, what happens when our generation you know finally are people closer to our age because are you a millennial you're like yes. okay all right so you're barely uh, uh, well, millennial. well uh, I, I like the term the uh uh organ trail generation you know that generation that grew up as computers started to uh, become very popular or, or right. become affordable enough that uh people at home could have them and they became more part of everyday life there's the Xennial or Oregon Trail generation. I like uh, Oregon Trail generation just for one, uh, you know, getting some dysentery. <laughs> right. But also, it's, 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 you know, says it what it is in the, in a nutshell, right? You know, it's that time where, you know, kids grew up with, you know, you know how, you know, life is not fair no matter how much you prepare just because, you know, you tried to uh, fjord that damn river, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, I've always wondered what it would be like from when people closer to my age were starting to get these positions of of power. Because, by and large, the older members of... This is probably true everywhere, but obviously I can only speak from the perspective of someone who is is a, a U.S. citizen. These old bastards don't have any idea what I am like or what I am interested in have no connection to me and have, have managed to just keep their stranglehold on power for sometimes decades, you know, years, at least some of them decades. 
And to, so to see someone who is roughly my age doing something that I enjoy, even if it's not one of her primary hobbies, she's still engaging in something that I enjoy and I can relate to that. And even if it doesn't make, I mean, it really, it doesn't make a difference because she's, you know, a, a New York, um, or, oh my God, my brain. She, she's representing New York, not Tennessee. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, but it makes me, it gives me a just a tiny glimmer of like. Yeah, but then you got to remember, oh shit, I'm still in Tennessee. I know, but it gives me just a tiny glimmer of hope that maybe we will have a future where I feel like some where people can relate to and represent me and my interests and my, you know, belief system and my values. Cause I don't feel yeah, like but the most part, anyone else in, in, you know, power in Congress, certainly not the fucking president represents me at all. Yeah. But then I, I go like out and uh, I, I see, well, let's put it this way. Do 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 do. Written for me that Caffeine Rage has disappeared off of Discord. Don't know if his power went out or his internet or if his cats chewed up his computer cables. That might be the last we ever hear of him, folks. Ah, his internet just went down. He texted me. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. You and I. I want to be notified when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is still or goes live. Hungry. So currently it is 12.15, as in 15 minutes past midnight. I ate dinner tonight at 6. So it's been six hours since I've eaten. This is one of the worst points when trying to do intermittent fasting because I'm hungry and I want to eat. But if I could just go to sleep without eating, then it will be very easy to make it the minimum 12 hours that I, I make myself go without eating because I'll wake up in the morning at 6.30 or 7 and boom, that's 12 hours right there. And then for most people, when you wake up in the morning, you're not hungry. Your body's not sending hunger signals yet um, or your stomach's not sending hungry signals yet to your brain. So I could easily make it to nine or 10 o'clock without eating. Just drink a couple of cups of coffee, um, black coffee. I do allow myself a little bit of creamer in my coffee. Technically that's cheating, but sometimes I want creamer in my coffee. And you know what? Fuck you. Diet, food, Nazis or whatever. But it's, it's a real struggle on Tuesday nights to not eat before I go to bed because I'm up long enough that I get really, really, really hungry because I start recording about the time that I would like to eat a small snack, which can get me through. Um, I like to eat a snack around 1030. Um, something like piece of fruit, carrot sticks, eh, some popcorn sometimes or pickles or both popcorn and pickles. But you know, 1030 is around the time when I like to eat that snack. Cause I go to bed somewhere between somewhere around 1am so it's like, eat my snack at 10.30, um, be done eating it by 11, and then I only have to make it a couple of hours and then go to bed, which is really easy. And I take my lunchtime at work kind of whenever I get to take it, but it's anywhere between like 11 a.m. and 1. 
So if I haven't eaten anything since at least 11, then I hit my minimum 12 hours. I hope you all find this very interesting. I texted, Rage has texted me that his internet was out. I texted him asking what he wanted to see it do. Oh, it says he's going back online, but he's not here yet. My phone is misbehaving. I somehow started getting a shitload of spam texts, like way more than usual. Um, and so I downloaded, I've tried a couple of different apps to block spam texts. And the best one I've found so far still has a lot of problems and I don't like it. And you can buy premium, a premium version of the app that has some other features, but I don't want to do that. Especially if I find out that those other features kind of suck. I don't want to spend it's it's three dollars a month, twelve dollars for a whole year, or thirty dollars for lifetime uh, access or whatever lifetime use. And I don't want to spend even the three dollars if it's still going to be garbage because I feel like that's wasting three dollars. I've got some money in my Google Play account which I tried to use, but it kept telling me the purchase like was invalid, like it wouldn't complete. So I don't know what's up with that. My phone has a lot of issues anyways, though. It's three years old, or three and a half years old. I got it before I moved to this house, which was in 2017, in April. And it's now October of 2020. So May, June, July, August, September, October. Three and a half years. So I've had this phone for three and a half years. Power-wise, it's still solid for everything that I do. Like, the battery doesn't last long enough, and it's got an internal battery, so I can't change that easily. Um, But from a, you know, processing power standpoint, it's fine. I don't have any problems playing games on it, watching videos. The screen hasn't been damaged somehow. Miracle of the tech gods, um, which is good. But it's problematic. It, uh, the USB port died on it over a year ago. Um, I've been wirelessly charging it for the longest time now, um, like at least a year. But that means I can't do any, you know, plug it up and do data transfers with it. Um, have to do everything over Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, you know, apps that can let you do that. Um, or by taking out the SD card. Um, it's microphone... Or no, sorry, it's it's earpiece, ear speaker, whatever, um, is messed up. It's very, very quiet. You can barely hear anyone at all if you're having to use it. So if someone calls me, I have to use either my Bluetooth headset or put them on speakerphone. There's no other options. I just can't hear you if I don't do it otherwise. Um, so that's frustrating. The vibrator in it is broken. Um... Well, when I say it's broken, I mean, it still works. It still will vibrate, but it vibrates like an actual vibrator, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, as opposed to just a gentle, like, pulse of, like, bzz, bzz. it's horrendous. I don't know how that happened. Probably one of the many times that I have dropped it, something in there has come loose or has broken, and it vibrates with the intensity of a dozen ladies vibrating sex toys apparatus apparatuses apparati um and then sometimes the the speaker just stops working usually you just restart the phone and that fixes it so i don't know if it's like a weird kind of software thing 
doesn't make sense that it would be hardware because you don't do anything except restart it. Although who knows, like stranger things have happened. So, and then the battery, if you don't use it, will last about 20 hours. If you, if it just sits in standby all day, but the more you use the phone, especially screen on time, you can run it dead in four hours. So I have to be careful if I'm, I mean, this is less of an issue and probably the main reason I haven't replaced it is because with COVID I'm just home all the time. So I can stick it on the charging dock. If the battery's low, I always have access to my Bluetooth headset or I'm in my office for work. So the door's locked and I can put anybody on speakerphone and not worry about their privacy. Um, I'm not using it for a lot of work stuff, but I am using it, you know, a lot. So that's probably the only reason I haven't replaced it. I had a phone given to me recently, the Galaxy S10e, I think. I don't think there's anything. It's just the E. Um, And that phone was a piece of garbage. I tried using it for a little while, and it sucked. So I wiped it and am trying to sell it. Like, it's less powerful, as glitchy as my current phone from a software standpoint. I mean, the, the, the earpiece works and the charging or the USB port works and everything. But I just was like, fuck. And it didn't have... It was... Not brand new, but only about a year old, and its battery would die as fast as my current phone's battery. I'm assuming that's because it's a much smaller battery, because that's like the budget version of the Galaxy S10. Um, see if Rage has texted me. I have new text messages. So yeah, I think that's it, folks. He cannot reconnect. Um, looks like his internet is out. Out. Yep, that's it. We're calling it, folks. That's it for this week. Um, so let's see. I guess I'll do the outro stuff then. Um, let me pull up the cheat sheet here. But yeah, for once, let the record show. For once, it was not my internet that fucked us over. This time, it was rage. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to vglpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or you can tweet at us at VGL Podcast. Um, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can do so over at patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. You can also find us every episode that we've released over on vglpodcast.podbean.com, as well as iTunes, the Google Play Store, um, Spotify. We're on many, many places. Um, but you can also directly su- subscribe over on Podbean. Um, you can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707, on Steam, JArthur4707, Rage, you can find him over at Gaming with Rage, I believe on YouTube, um, Twitch, and Twitter. On Steam, he is just Caffeine Rage. On Twitter, he's Gaming at Gaming with CR. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin Cloyd. You can find his music over at incomputech.com. And this feels really weird to do all by myself. But as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. I guess what there's no one here to follow me up without me saying something myself like this, I can't say bye bye.
my. Pausing the Audacity recording there. Craig is still running. What episode is this? 211. I am way fucking behind on posting these to YouTube. One day, I'll get caught up. Until that day, thank you everyone for bearing with me um, for them not being posted on on the YouTubes. Oops. I need to really clean up the drive as well where I've gotten these all stored. Task for another day. Good night, everybody.